you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to John's Gospel. The Gospel of John, we will launch from chapter 16 and we will uh, spend referencing time this morning in Luke's Gospel. But uh, John chapter 16, as we continue our study and refresh a study on God's Spirit. What a week. Um, Since the last time we met, uh, a number of us uh, spent a few days in Nashville, and uh, while in Nashville, it's just as if God's Spirit uh, just was heavy on me. And uh, I don't know, I'm not an emotional guy usually, but I couldn't stop crying like for two days. So I think I got all my crying out for, uh, hopefully not though, it was an awesome time. Um, But God just poured and he poured and he poured from, uh, it was at, we were at the SEND North America conference that the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention put on. Uh, a couple of bands came in and led worship on Monday and Tuesday, but a number of speakers, and uh, more than that, um, especially in my life, just uh, God's Spirit fell. Um, come back. I don't know how this happened, just a uh, brief segue. Um, I don't know how this happened, but we had a youth event Wednesday night. I don't know if y'all heard about it or saw it, but somebody had the audacity of like five seconds into this thing of pushing me in the pool. It was not cool. And Camden Woods should never have listened to her father and obeyed his voice to do that. He's not here, but I will make sure when he does get here that uh, he will be spoken to. No, we had a great time of, uh, of that and uh, just a great week in general. Um, others did stuff, but I won't uh, bore you with that. Um, every guy in here, this, if it hasn't happened to you, it should have happened to you. Because every lady in here probably did this. And they probably should have done it to us. You, you know, have that talk. That, that talk when you're dating and you're sitting across the table and said, really, it, it's not you, it's me. When all along, you know it's you that they're breaking up with you about. But they're sitting there and they're trying to get you to believe, hey, it's not you that has the problem, it, it's me. And I've got to go work on me. And they're not going to spend five seconds on them because they just want to get out of it. That is what I thought about when I read the passage we're going to look at. Before we read that passage, I need to just let you 
need to remind you of where we are. We are in John chapter 16, and in John chapter 16, it is the night that Jesus is arrested. It is his last statements to those that are following him, that have been following him for some three years now. He knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. Even at this moment, it's already come up in conversation, and Judas is gone to do what Judas is doing. And Jesus is speaking to those that are following him. He's speaking to the 12, to the 11 disciples that will be called apostles in the coming weeks. And he says, hey, it's, it's not you, but it's really to your advantage that I leave you. It is to your advantage, guys, that... that We're no longer going to be a couple, so to speak. It's to your advantage that I'm going away because here's what's going to happen. If I go away, I will send the Spirit. And it will be so much better for you. So much better for you. So let's pick up the conversation. In John chapter 16, I'm going to read starting in verse number 1. And we will see those verses on the screen starting in verse Number six, I believe. But here's what he said. He said, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Let's stop for just a second. He said all these things. What are all these things? Well, you have to go back to John chapter 12. And at the end of John chapter 12, starting in chapter 13, and you see this whole scene unfold. It's all happening in that last day. It's all happening around the supper table It's all happening when they enter that room and Jesus takes up a towel and by example and also by words, he is having this last conversation with his followers. So I've said all these things, all these examples, all these words, I've said all these things to you, 11, to keep you from falling away. What a great pep talk. You're going to fall away. But I've said all these things to you so that you won't, but I know that you will. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you... uh, Jesus, I thought this was supposed to be an encouraging word. You're telling me I'm about to die. The time's coming when whoever kills you... They think that when they kill you that he's offering service up to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor have they known me. But I have said these things to you. That when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus was looking, as we continue to read, but Jesus was looking at these eleven and he knew the outcome of those eleven. Every single one of them died because of the faith. Every single one of them, because they stood on the conviction and the belief that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, they died. Some died on a cross, just like Jesus. Peter died upside down on the cross because he said he wasn't worthy to hang the same way that Jesus did. Others died because of stoning. And then there was the one Thomas... History states he made it all the way to India and was impaled by a spear 
they all died for the faith. The one who is recording this for us, and his name is John, he was placed into boiling oil, and it wouldn't kill him. So as a 90-plus-year-old, they just sentenced him to Patmos, the Isle of Patmos, for hard labor until he died. All of them died for the faith. And I want you to remember this, Jesus says. Because their hour is coming. I didn't say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Verse 5. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? Because... But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's not, for, it's not, not you, it's me. But it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Period. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen, here's what he's going to do. He will convict the world concerning sin. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Father, I pray that as we look at the work of your Spirit, We see the example of your son. I pray that it would hit my heart. Father, I pray that it would hit every single one of our hearts. Because we desperately, we definitively, Father, we need you. Father, we need you as never before. Lord, there are those of us in this place that don't even know it. Don't even know the gravity of the spot that they are in right now. God, we need you. Our basic need, yes, but our greatest need is that we need you. And the greatest answer to that is already been answered because you have given us your spirit. Father, use this time, use your word to challenge us, Father, to open our blinded eyes and to open our deaf ears. Father, to mold and melt our hearts of stone. God, I stand on 
your word where you state that those who are in you, those sons and daughters of yours, they are new creatures. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God, we sing about it, that our chains are broken, that there is amazing grace that we sang, and I prayed as I heard your people sing that it was not just words, but Father, it would be true in my life. It would be true in all of our lives that from the inside out, we are crying out to you. Father, I pray that you would give me and you would give us that hunger afresh and anew. Father, you sustain. There is a feast set before me. There is a feast set before us if we would just eat at your table. Father, may we do that right now. And may we continue to do that individually. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. A question that I have asked myself for a few weeks And I've, even this past week, I asked it, uh, a week or so ago, I asked it to our leadership team. I asked this question over and over again, what, what are we here for? What are you taking up space on this earth right now for? You are inhaling and you are exhaling. You are seeking fulfillment in this life. For what purpose? For, for what, what reason is this happening? Are you seeking fulfillment through a job? Are you seeking fulfillment through accomplishments that you have done or that have taken place around you? Your skills. Is that where you're seeking fulfillment? May I ask? Another question, who gave you those skills? Who gave you the capacity, the gray matter? Who gave you the limbs, the body, the mind? Was it not God? Maybe you're here and you're seeking fulfillment through others. Maybe it's family members, it's friends, it's boyfriends or girlfriends, it's husbands or wives, it's your kids. Who created all these? Adrian Rogers stated this. He said, the average Christian lives such a subnormal Christian life. The average Christian, the the one in black seats or pews or other padded seats in America and around the world today. The average Christian lives such a subnormal life that when one lives a normal Christian life, it seems by everyone to be abnormal. The normal, or what is to be normal Christian life, is one lived in and with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God empowers you and empowers me for 
ministry. You saw it there in verse number 6 through 8. He states, if I go away, I tell you the truth, if I go away, it's to your advantage because I will send the helper to you. But if I don't go, you're not going to have any power. If I don't go, you will not have the tools, you will not have the power to do the task that is ahead. What was the task? The task for them is the same task for you and me. It is to make disciples. It is to go in this world, wherever God takes you, whatever the time is, to whomever he sends you to, to make disciples. And the only way that they were going to get that task done in their day was if Jesus left them. It, it was foreign. They, they could not believe what they were hearing. Lord, I want to go with you. There's no way you can go with me. Lord, don't leave us. It, it's really to your advantage that I leave. The Holy Spirit of God comes a couple of pages later. In Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit of God comes into the lives of those 11 believers. And I'm not going to spend this morning looking at Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, 3, 4, 5. We're going to spend a whole semester in these pages in Connect. But I need to draw your attention to a couple of highlights from Acts 1 through 4 because you and I need to grasp this. When Jesus said that it is better, it is to your advantage that I go away, that I'm going to send a helper just like myself, another just like me, to be with you all who will indwell you, who will live inside of you, to allow you to do the task at hand. You need to see some of the highlights and be reminded of them. In Acts chapter 1, Here's what happens. He says this in verse number 7. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but it is for you to know this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. This week, for those who were in Nashville, um, we were reminded by Vance Pittman of this passage. He said, here's the task. I'm going to send you first and foremost to the place that everybody hates you. That's where we're starting this whole thing. We're going to turn the world upside down, and I'm going to send you to the place that the world hates you. Remember 40 days before they nailed him to the cross and they killed him. They could not stand Jesus and they started the ministry there. But then he said, then I want you to go to the place that you hate, to Judea and Samaria. And then I'm going to spread you out all over the earth. And he did just that. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. After 10 days, they have been fasting and they have been praying. And the Holy Spirit shows up in that room. 
the Holy Spirit shows up in that room in such a way that they are now speaking different languages. And they go out in Jerusalem, the place where they were scared of, the place that hated them, and they began to speak. And as they spoke, people heard in their native tongue. They were speaking in their native tongue. They were speaking and they were hearing in this different language. And here's what happened. After 10 days of prayer and a four-minute sermon, over 3,000 people got saved. You think, well, that's just a coincidence. Well, you flip over another chapter or two in chapter 4, they go out again, and guess what? It wasn't 3,000 this time, but it was over 5,000 that got saved. And then they said, you know what? Uh, Luke was writing to a guy by the name of Theopolis. He said, I can't even write this stuff down. I can't even add all this stuff up because they are increasing, and it is multiplying exponentially all because of this helper. Say, Brian, that's well and good because that is, that's the 11 disciples, the apostles. Those are the superstars. If there was a Mount Rushmore of spiritual things, I'm telling you, some of these guys' names would be and their faces would be on that place. Do you know of all the times in the book of Acts where the Spirit, where the Spirit is spoken of in the book of Acts, the vast majority of those are with people unnamed. In that day, the three greatest sinners for church planning, the three strongest churches, the church at Antioch, the church at Rome, and the church at Alexandria, the gospel is moving. It is moving across the world. Do you know those three churches, the strongest of the day? Who planted them? Some brothers. That's the only description that we have. Wasn't Paul? Wasn't Peter? Wasn't John? Wasn't Matthew? Wasn't Thomas? Wasn't any of the eleven? It was just some unknown brothers. I believe that's done for you and for me to understand that it is our task to do this work. And the only way that you and I do this work, the reason that he has you inhaling and exhaling, the reason he has me inhaling and exhaling is through the power of the Spirit. The Spirit empowers you and empowers me to do ministry. But not only does the Spirit empower us to do ministry, you and I need to see the example that's given. Jesus is the example for you and for me to follow. As we turn our attention to that and we spend our remaining moments there, let me just remind us all. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 12. We looked at verse 16 down through the end of the chapter last week, but we didn't even bring out verse 12. And here's what he says. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do. And catch this. And greater works. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Because I'm going to the Father. Let me just ask you a couple of questions on that verse. This past week, 
How many sitting in this room? How many of you raised a dead person this past week? Okay, that was kind of starting high. Let's start here. How many of you took a, a withered hand from somebody and stretched it out and it was normal? Black ink all over it. It's like splattered black ink. How many of you... Maybe you did this because we got some guys that liked fish. How many of you caught a fish that had money in it? How many of you took some, some of that wonder bread that you had and you needed 12 pieces, you only had eight, and you prayed and lifted it up to the Father and you got like 12 whole loaves? What in the world is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, if you allow me to go to the Father, I'm going to send you this helper and I'm telling you, you're not only going to do these works, but you're going to do greater works than these. Jesus, you've lost your mind. There's no way that we're going to do greater works. Maybe not greater works in quality. But what about greater works in quantity? In his 33 plus years on the face of the earth, Jesus never wrote one book. In his 33 years on the face of the earth, he never traveled more than 70 miles outside of the time that he was a little baby and he scattered down to Egypt and came back. But he never traveled 70 miles from a hometown. Yet, right now, there are those all the way around the globe. There are those in closed countries. There are those in open countries. There are those in each hemisphere. There are those on mountains and by the seashore. They are everywhere telling of this great name. Quality, no quantity, Jesus was spot on because he said, if I go, you will be advantage. It'll be an advantage to you because the Holy Spirit will come. Jesus is to be the example to follow, and it, his example is this. If you look in Luke's gospel, starting in the first chapter, you see that even in the prophecy of him coming, in the prophecy of him coming, there was Elizabeth, Mary's kinfolk, and she goes to Elizabeth, and the baby inside the womb of Elizabeth jumps for joy because of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 2, there is an old man by the name of Simeon who had been praying, and, there, and, he, and God had told him, hey, you will not see death until Messiah comes, and they're in the temple they're bringing Jesus as a little baby after he's been circumcised and the time is right and, quote, chance meeting. No, divine appointment. Simeon sees the Messiah. In Luke chapter 4, it states this as Jesus begins his public ministry. And Jesus, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Why in the world would Jesus go into the wilderness? It is because he was led there by the Spirit. John, in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it states this. 
as he is performing miracles in 517. On one of those days, he was teaching. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, on first glance, you would think, well, of course, the power of the Lord, the power of the Spirit was on him to to heal because he is the Son of the living God. But what you and I need to understand here is that Luke is describing for us, he's indicating that Jesus' power to heal was, in most circumstances, coming from the Holy Spirit. Not from himself, but from the Holy Spirit. He had emptied himself when he stepped off the throne in heaven and came in the form of a little baby there in Bethlehem. He emptied himself and he was following and being led by and being full of God's Spirit. And you say, why in the world will you do it? So you and I have a chance. It's the only way that you and I can have a normal Christian life is by being led by the Spirit, the example in prophecy, the example in the miracles that are taking place is by Jesus. He had the power to heal. Why? Because of the Spirit. He had the power to enact justice because of the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, states this, The Spirit of the Lord was upon me. Jesus is speaking. He's saying, The Spirit of the Lord was upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of of the Lord's favor. All of this is done through the Spirit. All of this is done by the Spirit. The the only way that you and I can answer that question honestly, can answer that question with meaning, the question of what are we here for? The question of where is fulfillment actually obtained is through the Spirit. You and I have numerous responsibilities every single day. There are things that have to get done. There are things on our calendars. There are meetings. There are deadlines. And God understands that. There were deadlines in the first century. There were responsibilities in the first century. There's been responsibilities even before the first century. There will be responsibilities if, unless Jesus comes back after the 21st century. But He is sending you. He's sending me. Every moment of every day, He is sending us to a dark, lost world that says there is no hope. And you're that hope. That says there is no answer and you have that answer. That says there is no way that I can get out of this Because I'm all alone. And you say, no, you're never alone. And it's only through the power of the Spirit. 
Let me close with a couple of statements. Some statements of application. I told you that uh, that Jesus emptied himself. Paul recorded it this way to the Philippian church. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, do this. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, by having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility. Regard others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. And have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being um, born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You have responsibilities all around you. You have tasks that have to be done. How are you going to get them done? How are you not going to be just burnt out? How are you not just going to be fed up and say, there's no answer, there's no way in the world. I, I get absolutely nothing when I sit in a black seat at any church, let alone River Bench. A Christian would live the normal Christian life. We live such subnormal lives that when we live normally, it, would, it looks as if it is abnormal. And all of that is because most of us depend upon the wrong source of power. The only way, the only way that Jesus was able to do all the acts in Luke and John and Matthew and Mark is because he depended on the power of the Spirit. The only way that the apostles were able to do what they did in the book of Acts or what, how it expanded throughout the first century in Ephesus and Philippi and all the other places in Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia Minor, is because they depended upon the power of the Spirit. The only way that it's going to happen in DeSoto County 
in northwest Mississippi, in Memphis, in America, is when you and when I depend upon His Spirit. How do you do it? The way that you do it is the same way that they did it. The way that you do it is that you bow the knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You, you give up your so-called right. You give up your dream. And he gives you a greater right. And he gives you a so much greater dream. And he instills in you his spirit that gives you and gives me an advantage to get about the task at hand. Not just 8 to 5, punching a clock, just to get up to do it again the next day. But to see eternities change in everyone that's around you. So that one day when you're standing around the throne, when you're face down around the throne, there will be brothers and sisters that you have from your workplace. There will be brothers and sisters around you from your neighborhood. There will be brothers and sisters around you from that estranged family. There will be brothers and sisters around you from friends. There will be brothers and sisters around you from nations that you will never step foot on. Because you, because we, were empowered by His Spirit. Because we surrendered our lives to Him. Heavenly Father, I bow before you and God, I ask. I ask that this reminder from your word, Father, this reminder of your spirit in our hearts and in our lives, would remain. That, God, we would be driven. To look at what took place in the gospel of Luke. We would be driven to and be reminded of those things that took place in John's gospel. In the life of our Savior. Father there are days and there are moments when I think there is no way. There's no way that this task can be completed. But you've promised that. You've promised that when it is, not if, but when it is, you will come. God, we can do that. The day that we live in, Father, the Christians that are alive today, I pray for those that are in this room, your sons and your daughters, Father, that we have been challenged and we have been brought back to you. So that wherever you take us today, wherever you take us this week, we would go in the power of your spirit and we would go as agents of yours, ambassadors of our highest king and our greatest Lord to share what you have done in our hearts and in our lives with those you lead us to. Sir, you have a ton of things going around in your mind right now. 
ma'am, you do as well. Kids, there are responsibilities at school. There are responsibilities at home. There are studies. There are tasks. Would you just push the pause button for a second on all those things? And would you ask God, Father, what is it that you would desire for me to do in responding to you? Father, what is it that you would desire for me to do at this moment? What's blocking a response from you to me? Father, what's the action? How do you desire for me to respond? From the inside out, I cry out to you. Father, I believe that those chains are broken. God, those things that are so easily ensnaring me, I... I, I know that you have overcome them and you've given me power to overcome them. Father, I desire to come back to you. What do you desire for me to do? Maybe that answer is coming in and it's stay right where you are. Maybe that answer that's coming back to you from the Father right now is you need to confess this sin and this sin and this sin. Why don't you even now before the response song begins, you start confessing. Maybe it's that you need to come down front and you need to bow and you need to be on your face and your knees before me. That's his response. You come. Maybe he's saying, I don't even have a relationship with you. You don't have a relationship with me. Let me introduce you to Jesus this morning. He loved you so much that he died. Sir, ma'am, maybe it's that he wants you to be a part of this faith family, that he wants you to be a part of this church. It's time for you to act. You take those steps. Father, whatever the response is, God, whatever you are working on in our hearts, I pray that we would be obedient. Father, as we obey, you empower us with your spirit and you change worlds eternities, individually and collectively. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You stand and you respond as we sing.